0: You are listening to The Divorced Christian Podcast Show with your host and teacher, Darius Good. He is the senior pastor of Bible Gospel Center and founder of Good Treasure Ministries. He is the author of the books Unlocking Godly Wisdom and The Divorced Christian. For more information, visit the website at thedivorcedchristian.com. And now, here's your host, Darius
1: Good. Welcome to another episode of the Divorced Christian Podcast Show. I'm your host, Darius Good. Thank you for joining us on today. When you get a chance, visit my website, thedivorcedchristian.com. We have a lot of information there on the website, especially at the bottom of the website. Um, I have links that explain the law of Moses have one link that goes through all 613 laws. We have another one that breaks the laws into different categories. And then I have several books that I have linked as well, where I get a lot of my information from, um, a lot of the definitions that pertain to the law of Moses, to the Torah, to understand uh, Judaism. Um, those links are there to bring understanding and awareness. It, it has increased my understanding, not only of the Old Testament, But because we're not under the law, but our our testament, the New Testament, our new covenant is built on the law of Moses. I found that it's critical to have a uh, rightly divide, to have clear understanding of the law of Moses as they understood it. And in doing so, it has greatly increased my understanding of the writings of Paul as he is constantly looking back at the Old Testament Pointing to Old Testament scriptures in the law of Moses as he's explaining, especially to the Jews, who Jesus is, who the Messiah is. And so that understanding is very important. And so a lot of the definitions that I presented on our podcast show, I've gotten from rabbis. I've gotten from their websites um, and those links are there in the bottom. One book I think is very important that you read is called The Sanhedrin and it breaks down the legal court system of their time. Um, Even today, they still have a rabbinical law, a rabbinical court system. And so um, all that information is there on the website as we're going to get into, I think it was probably maybe what you've been waiting for. Um, We're going to deal with remarriage on today. And so you're listening to episode 38, Can Divorced Christians Remarry? I've discovered that this subject, and I knew it was always a very heated subject within the Christian faith. We got those on one side of the aisle that uh, adhere to, they believe we can remarry, Um, you can divorce, but there's some stipulations involved, of course, um, abandonment, abuse, and we have our list. We have those on the other side of the aisle, and they believe that you cannot divorce, and that divorce does not uh, separate or end the marriage vow. You are still connected to that person for life. And only through death is the marriage vow broken. And uh, they pull a lot of that teaching from Romans chapter seven. And so on today, we're going to go through Romans chapter seven so that we have a clear understanding of what Paul was saying. So in Romans chapter seven, verse one, it reads, Know ye not, brethren, for I speak to them that know the law, how that the law hath dominion over a man as long as he liveth. Now, I want to highlight that Paul begins by stating, I'm speaking to them that know the law. And so we know in Rome, there was both uh, Jews And Gentiles that were coming into the faith. And so for Paul to make this statement that I'm speaking to those that know the law, he's really talking to Jews. Now, I find this interesting because I got into a three hour debate with a minister that tried to explain to me that the law that Paul's talking about in this verse is the law that Jesus established And then he goes back to Matthew chapter five and he highlights in one of the verses here, a statement that Jesus made. So if you go to Matthew five, verse 19, it says, whosoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments. And he highlights the word these, and he explains that Jesus was establishing new laws. These are new laws he's putting in place. Christians and so now whatever he said following this was the new law that now replaced the old law of Moses now all this was new to me I've never heard um, that sort of twist especially highlighting the word these now if you go with me to Matthew five I'll show you why that that idea doesn't make any sense in verse seventeen Jesus made it very clear He said, think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle shall in no ways or no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. Verse 19, whosoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments. So obviously, uh, Jesus is pointing back to the law of Moses. He's not talking about some commandments that he's about to now explain that will basically undo the law of Moses. And so the argument that I had with this gentleman, he basically felt that Jesus had went went through the law of Moses and undid the law of Moses. Now I'll say this in brief and we'll cover this maybe in more detail later, but when I talk to Christians They do not understand what the law of Moses is. I heard a pastor the other day. He said that the Jews held the law in high esteem. And they held worship in high esteem. And it was kind of like a weird statement regarding Judaism. And understand my my stance. I'm not preaching Judaism. I'm not saying we should follow the law of Moses. We are not under the law. We are under grace. We have a New Testament a new covenant with God, but the new covenant is built on the old. So you have to understand the old in order to understand the new. And so there are things that were shifted in the new, but there's also some things in the old that was not done with uh, done away with. So just to help explain. So the concept makes sense. There are 613 laws that they lived according to abided by And of course, those 613 laws, you probably had to write manuscripts in in large volumes of books of what murder means. If you study within our own state, our own nation, our own communities, the laws of our city, you got murder one, murder two, murder three. Um, You got assault in the first degree, assault in the second degree. You have manslaughter. So all these laws would fall under one category. Trespassing is another category. Kidnapping. Kidnapping in the first versus kidnapping in the second. I mean, these laws are not small statements, thou shalt not kill. But when you begin to read the book of the Sanhedrin, then the whole process begins to make sense. When you read the the Torah and it explains how there were cities of refuge that a person could go to. But if it was discovered that the person had. Hatred towards their neighbor. And now they're responsible for their death. Then they were not safe in the city of refuge. The relative could come to the city of refuge and track that individual down. And it was uh, uh, life for life, tooth for tooth. That was the process. And understand, it it didn't mean that they could just kill them. There was still the court system involved. The priests were involved. The judges were involved. So there you can see the complexity of the law of Moses. It's not a simple statement of thou shalt not commit adultery. There's so much more to that law. What does adultery mean? What's the definition of adultery? What did it mean to the priest and judges? What did it mean to her ketubah, her divorce settlement? If she's found guilty, what happens if if she wasn't found guilty? And all this is explained, especially if you read the book of the Sanhedrin, but we don't find all that information here in the scriptures. And so I've been reading through the Talmud, and I'm very careful reading through the Talmud. I know that the Pharisees valued the Talmud above the Torah, so I don't read it in that light, but I read it to get understanding of how they handled certain cases and how they viewed certain things. And as they highlight the scriptures, I go through and I'm it up with the scriptures and, and have a better understanding of this Old Testament law. But Jesus did not come to do away with the law of Moses. He clearly stated, I came to fulfill it. And of course, we can argue what that is, but the word fulfill means to bring to a place of completion, a place of full maturity. The law of Moses, as it was designed, could not bring men into righteousness. And Paul explains this over and over in his writings, that the law was not designed to bring men to righteousness. It helps us to see what was lawful in God's eyes and what was unlawful. But the real requirement to be made righteous was faith. And that's always from day one. So I, even though I would say faith in Jesus Christ, we understand that there was righteous men in the Old Testament. Noah was righteous. Abraham was righteous. Jacob, um, Isaac was righteous. Even David was Righteous. And their righteousness was a result of not their keeping the law, even though all of them tried their best to abide by the law of Moses, but their righteousness extended from their faith in God. I heard the Lord speak and I did what he told me. So now I'm building an ark. And so as we come into the New Testament, our new covenant, our faith in Jesus Christ is what makes us righteous. The just shall live by faith the just, the righteous shall live by faith. That's the requirement. And we couldn't have faith in Jesus until he came and lived and died and was resurrected from the dead. So he came to fulfill the law. The scripture is very clear that Jesus was born under the law. In Galatians three twenty three, it says, before faith came, before faith came, we were kept under the law. So there was a point when faith came. That's when Jesus came. Even though we see faith throughout the Old Testament, we're talking about faith in Jesus Christ. So before faith came, we were kept under the law, shut up unto the faith, which should afterwards be revealed. Galatians 4, 4. But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman woman, made under the law. Verse five, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. So Jesus did not come to do away with the law of Moses or to rewrite the law of Moses or to fix the law of Moses. He came to add the part that Moses could not provide. And there was a righteousness through the law. In Romans chapter 9, verse 31, it says, But Israel, which followed after the law of righteousness, hath not attained to the law of righteousness. Very interesting statement. But what it's saying is that the law of Moses provided a level of righteousness. It did. Men were made righteous by observing the law of Moses. But what it did was it did not reach the level of righteousness God required. That level was unattainable until Jesus came. And of course, we see through the Old Testament, it was still obtainable through faith. But now the new requirement was it begins through faith in Jesus Christ. And so if you go through Hebrews 11, it talks about the heroes of faith, Abraham, Sarah, And the list goes on of all these people that are named as being heroes of faith. So we understand there was a system of faith in the Old Testament, but that system of faith required Jesus in order to bring men to the place of perfection. The word perfection means fulfilled or full maturity. And so we need Jesus to be the perfect, full mature man that God has called us to be. So in Matthew 5, Jesus' statement regarding the law of Moses, I did not come to destroy the law, was not a statement that he had now come to make changes to the law of Moses. It's very interesting, and I might have highlighted this before, but in the conversation between Nathanael and Philip, and this is in John chapter 1, verse 45, It says that Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and the prophets did right. This is a statement from a Jewish man. Two Jewish men are having a conversation. And what I want to highlight is in their conversation, they are explaining that as Jews, they understood the prophets pointed to Jesus the prophecies of his coming, of his birth, of his ministry, of his life, of his death. And we can go right through Isaiah, Isaiah, uh, Jeremiah, uh, the book of Psalms, all these prophecies, uh, Malachi, the coming of Jesus Christ, the coming of John the Baptist, pointing to the Messiah. But I'm highlighting because we skip this over. We always miss this point. He said, the one written in the law of Moses. Well, what is that? Well, if we don't have understanding of the law of Moses, then we're missing out on a critical part of understanding our Messiah, of understanding who Jesus was. So Jesus was the law. He was the law given to Moses. He represented the law. And I, I, I can't find one area of contradiction between what Jesus did and lived as he walked the earth, he never contradicted uh, in those debates with the Pharisees and the Sadducees and lawyers. When you read through those conversations, he's explaining to them the law of Moses and showing them the error. This is the law. And let me remind you of this story with David and this story with Elisha as he healed Naaman. And he's highlighting these Old Testament stories and how the law of God works and operates because the Pharisees was bending and twisting the law. And they were using the oral portion of the law, the Talmud, as a higher standard above what God had established through Moses. So, no, there's no contradictions in Jesus teachings. You had to go through all four books of the gospel Matthew, Mark, Luke and John guarantee you, you will not find any area where Jesus contradicted the law, because if he did, he would have been unrighteous. He had to die a righteous lamb. He committed no sins. Well, what would the sin be? It would have to be the breaking of the law of Moses. So he lived the perfect, righteous life according to the law of Moses. Why? Why? So that he could redeem us from the law so that we don't have to live under the law of Moses. So we can have a life under the law of liberty through faith, through his blood, through salvation. It's the completed work. And it's important that we understand this. And this is why I've been teaching um, all these teachings on Old Testament laws. I know. And I talk to pastors. They're like, well, what about the New Testament? You don't understand the Old Testament, because if you did, then we, we would better understand what Jesus was saying. And this is where the confusion comes in, because based on these ideologies, then the Old Testament is not needed at all. Our Bible should be Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and just move on from there. And throughout the entire Old Testament, no reference to the Old as at all, because he began a brand new covenant with us no longer needing the old. Well, that's not true. The new is built on the old. The new is, as is explained, is the spiritual of the natural things established in the Old Testament. The Old Testament was our schoolmaster. It was the the shadow of things to come. And so the, the physical lambs that died in the Old Testament Point to Jesus Christ. But we only highlight the lambs. What about the burnt offering? Well that offering, the burnt offering, points to Jesus Christ. and the meat offering point to Jesus Christ and the priest and their duties and responsibilities points to Jesus Christ. And as they would walk into the temple and the requirement to cleanse themselves and wash themselves in the basin before they entered in, guess what? Cleansing is required in the New Testament. Sanctification required in the New Testament, the priests had to sanctify themselves before they went into the temple. Guess what? We as the people of God, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, we are required to be sanctified and set apart from the world. We don't understand these teachings if we don't understand the Old Testament. And so it's critical that we understand the merging of the two as Paul does. Uh, so eloquently, that I think most pastors and people that read the scriptures don't understand. And so, let's go back to Romans chapter 7. As I said, as Paul said, I am speaking to them that know the law. Jews knew the law, they were taught the law from birth. That's what they heard when they would go to the synagogue. They will be taught the law of Moses, they will be taught the prophets. We have Jesus reading from Isaiah in the synagogue. This is what they heard on a regular basis. They knew the laws. Here's another major point. Pastors, ministers often get wrong. The law of Moses was not a way of life. It was their legal court system. It was their national laws for their nation. And people get mad because they're like, no, no, I'm telling you, it is. Thou shalt not kill meant that you stood before a priest and a judge and they will pronounce a guilty verdict of death over you. If you were found guilty, do not bear false witness against thy neighbor. That's not a don't lie on your neighbor. Don't spread lies about your neighbor. That was the law. If you went to court, court required a guilty verdict. Based on the testimony of two or three witnesses, two or three witnesses, which means that a person could not be put to death based on one single witness. So now you got to connect. Uh, do not bear false witness against thy neighbor. Connect that statement from the Ten Commandments to Deuteronomy 17, verse six, at the mouth of two witnesses or three, shall he that is worthy of death be put to death? But at the mouth of one witness, he shall not be put to death. Let's go to verse seven. The hands of the witnesses shall be first upon him to put him to death. And afterward, the hands of all the people. So thou shalt put the evil away from among you. This was their court system. If you're going to say this person broke the law, you had to go and stand before the court. You had to give your testimony And if they were found guilty, you are required to throw the first stone. Now, if we don't understand that, then how do we understand what Jesus' statement was of he without sin cast the first stone? And this is where the teachings get so far off because Jesus was always pointing to the law of Moses. Here's another connection to that concept of bearing false witness against your neighbor. In Deuteronomy 19, verse 15, One witness shall not rise up against a man for any iniquity or for any sin in any sin that he sinneth at the mouth of two witnesses or at the mouth of three witnesses shall the matter be established. Verse 16. If a false witness shall rise up against any man to testify against him, that which is wrong. This is court court system testifying. It doesn't we're not talking about lying against your neighbor or against your brother and sister in church. So verse 17, if they testify and they're wrong, then both the men between whom the controversy is shall stand before the Lord, before the priest and the judges, which shall be in those days. So whoever is presiding over the case at verse 18, and the judges shall make diligent inquisition. So this one, I highlight that even with the sin of adultery, they would go through and interrogate the witnesses. So that's where we find it here. It's written in the the Torah. Deuteronomy 19, verse 18, diligent inquisition. And behold, if the witness be a false witness and he hath testified falsely against his brother, verse 19, then shall you do unto him as he had thought to have done unto his brother, so that, or so shall thou put the evil away from among you. So if the verdict was going to end in a flogging, then the witnesses were flogged instead. If it ended in a fine, then those witnesses were fined instead. If it ended in death, then those witnesses were put to death for lying. This is a national court system. A system God gave Moses for governing the nation and for people to come and say Jesus changed the law. That would mean all the judges and all the priests began to now follow what Jesus put in place. He put in a replacement system for their entire legal system. And that's not true. And there is no nation on the face of the earth that are following the teachings of Jesus as their legal system. When Jesus came, he wanted to bring us into a higher level of thinking. Don't sue your brother. Be a peacemaker. Come to, to a, a, an agreement that does not require you going to the law. Because if you go to the law, you're going to be under the law, meaning they're going to look at the books and say, this is what the law says. But let your yes be yes. Let your yea be yay. Let your no be No. Give your word, keep your word, and you won't need to go to a judge. And that's for every matter. You come to do work at my house, then do what you said you were going to do. I'll pay you, and I'm going to pay you what you asked for. But this is the reason why Jesus had to come, because men never lived according to their word. We're very dishonest. We're going to get more into this topic as I laid the foundation on today. Thank you for listening. Join us again next week. If you're listening by radio, tune in again next week. If you're listening by podcast, remember to like, share, and subscribe. And until next time, be blessed.
0: You've been listening to the Divorced Christian Podcast Show with your host, Darius Good. This was a Good Treasure Ministries production. Darius is the senior pastor of Bible Gospel Center, and he is the author of the book, The Divorced Christian. To learn more about this book and other books written by Darius, or to listen to other episodes of our podcast show, visit our website today at thedivorcedchristian.com. We pray that today's episode has brought revelation, understanding, and healing. Please like, share, and subscribe to our podcast show. And until next time, be blessed.